0: Welcome to episode number 16 of the Raw Food Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jane, the Rotarian, and in this episode we're going to be talking all about dehydrating, and basically that's in reference to raw foods and how to make cookies, uh, crackers, and bread in your dehydrator. Thanks so much, and I'll be back with you shortly. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Raw Food Podcast. It's number 16, and I I can't believe how many episodes I've made. 16 sounds like a small number, but in retrospect, it's a lot of talking and a lot of audio. So I really appreciate you being here with me um, today and in, in all the past episodes as well. So essentially today, what we're going to be doing is just giving you a big overview of dehydrating and how to dehydrate when you're into the raw food lifestyle. So I'm going to look at that in three basic sections. We're going to talk about physically the dehydrator, what is it, how it works. So that's going to be the first thing we're going to talk about. Secondly, I'm going to talk a little bit about some recipes that you could make in your dehydrator. And we'll talk about those in a high-level way, just give you an overall sense of the types of recipes you can make with your dehydrator. And then thirdly, I'm going to give you a window into my own raw food lifestyle and tell you how frequently I dehydrate and some some tips and tricks and things like that. So without further ado, we'll just jump right into that first topic of talking about what is a dehydrator and what can you do with it. I recently received an email from someone saying, basically that, like, it says to dehydrate something in your recipe. What is that? And so I thought I'd take this opportunity and that's kind of the jumping off point for this episode. So basically a dehydrator is kind of like a mini oven (laughs) Um, except the oven uses an element to heat and this dehydrator heats in a different way but basically generally they're a a square box almost like a microwave size of a small microwave sometimes they're square sometimes they're round but generally um, the good ones are square and they tend to have trays that you can pull in and out so basically it's a big square box with trays that you can pull in and out little drawers basically and the only function that a dehydrator really does is it mimics hot air so think if you're in the Sedona desert or something and it's super hot and people in the old days used to just put their food out maybe we're talking way back in the day here, but um, you know, in the hot sun to basically get heated up just by that warm air and that heat. And so that's really what we're replicating with the dehydrator. Now, there's a huge variety of dehydrators on the market. The sort of most popular one in the raw food circles is called the Excalibur. And that's um, a great dehydrator. And that does cost quite a bit of money. It might be, I haven't looked at the prices lately, but like $250 American. So that's, that's quite an investment. Now, there certainly are other brands as well. I know when I first went raw, I was not willing or want, wanting to spend that much money on a dehydrator. So I got essentially a knockoff version, which was the very first dehydrator that I bought was called a veggie kiln. V-E-G-I-K-I-L-N, get a kiln like where you cook your pottery, and um, but it was also called the Good For You as well, and that knockoff has served me very well for my first while anyway as a raw foodist. But there's a huge number of dehydrators on the market. Again, the Excalibur is kind of the gold standard. That's the one most people get, and it does work very well. But The general concept though of a dehydrator is pretty basic. I mean, you've got a box with trays that heats up. Now, most of these square dehydrators work in the very same way and so they're kind of interchangeable and I'm not too picky about whether you have to get the best or just one that works. I will suggest that you try to stay away from these circular dehydrators that have um, They don't really have trays, they more have like layers, and the layers can kind of be moved up and down. Now, why I don't really advocate using those is a couple of reasons. Number one, I've noticed that the air doesn't circulate as well in those units. So frequently, you can't get stuff, say, in the middle trays as dehydrated as you like. And secondly, something that's kind of annoying about those, is just the access. Um, you know, in order to check on something in the middle tray, it, it's just kind of hard to access. Whereas if you have a square one with drawers, you can just, you know, pull out the middle drawer and it, it's, it's easy to do. Another reason that I'm not a huge fan of the circular ones is that sometimes I might have something bigger. Like I do make pizzas in my dehydrator and the one I've been using lately actually is not an Excalibur. It's just that original knockoff one and what am i trying to say about this oh yes that basically the drawers i can remove one of those and so if i have a pizza completely laden with toppings and things like that i can remove remove a drawer and cover that hole with a um, sheet of tin foil or aluminum foil and that kind of mimics a door because a lot of the cheaper Dehydrators don't have a door to cover the drawers. I hope I'm not confusing you, <laughs> but it does make sense. If, if you just want to like have a quick look, um, online at what a dehydrator looks like, it, it's probably more of a visual thing. But anyway, so what I'm trying to say is the circular ones, it's hard to get something that's big in a circular one versus when you have one with a drawer system, you can take out certain drawers if you need more height. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what the dehydrator looks like. Usually there's just really a few features that the dehydrators have. Um, Some of them have timers, which means you can, you know, set it to go for three hours and then turn off after three hours, for example. So that can be handy, but certainly not necessary. You do want to get one that allows you to adjust the temperature. So um, most of the regular dehydrators that are square go from about, actually, I don't remember what the bottom range of, of mine is, but let's say from 95 to like 180 or something like that. Now, as you know, in order to keep the enzymes in, intact, most raw foodists like to keep their food underneath 105 degrees. Um, so you do want to be able to control that temperature. You don't want to just have a a basic dehydrator that it has an on-off switch because then you won't know the the heat setting of your dehydrator. Um, so that's kind of an important consideration. I often get asked about having using your oven as a dehydrator, and in a very trying to be loving, but firm answer is that that does not work and I would not bother trying it. Some people have read online that you can put your oven on on the lowest temperature, leave the the door ajar. Oh my gosh, that's hard to say. The door ajar and, you know, prop it open with a wooden spoon or something and that that mimics a dehydrator. In my old early days, like three and a half years ago, I did try that and it just does not work. It does not mimic the dehydrator. Stuff does not um cook properly or uncook properly at all it doesn't work so i'm not it's not like i think it's i'm too cool to do it or it just doesn't work so i did try to make crackers in there like that and they um did not dehydrate at all so it's a very different uh internal workings like the oven is heated by an element and the Dehydrator is completely different. It has a fan to circulate the hot air and things like that. So it doesn't work. And what I generally suggest is if you are not able to get a dehydrator, don't bother making dehydrated recipes. Um, you'll just have to forgo that and just save up to get one or decide that you're not going to go that route or whatever. But oven doesn't work. So in a nutshell, that is is a little bit about the aesthetics of the dehydrator and what it does and what it looks like. I usually try to shop locally when I can. And especially for a large item, like a dehydrator, I thought, oh, I can probably get one locally and then I won't have to pay for shipping. So I do live in a rural area and I was not able to find one locally. I did see some of those round ones for sale. Actually, no, I didn't, but I thought that I I might be able to find a round one, but I knew I didn't want that. So I did buy mine online and Certainly you should look, especially if you have a raw food restaurant or something, they may be able to get uh, you a line or your local health food store, they may be able to help you. But overall, I've found it's easiest to get them online. Um, So it is a bit of an expensive endeavor. But the reason that we love to have the dehydrator, and this is a nice segue into my second section about recipes, is that the dehydrator really allows you to make so many different things and textures that you just can't, make living a raw food lifestyle without a dehydrator. So I'm just going to pause for a moment here and let's think for a second about if you don't have a dehydrator, the textures that you really will be missing, or at least I was missing before I had one, was definitely the crunch factor of Um, you know, crackers or, oh my gosh, I didn't even mention the ability to make chips out of kale chips or corn chips and things like that. Yam chips I make as well. So for me, it's really about the savory items, meaning salty things like crackers or chips, or especially main course items like a veggie burger patty or... Um, what else pizza crust I like to make in the dehydrator so for me it's dehydrating is all about the savory meal type items I find when I'm making desserts I almost never use my dehydrator and I love desserts and I make a lot of them but for me it's it's the savory items and of course I think you'll find as well when you're eating or craving something We have different cravings at different times of the day. So sometimes you're gonna want something sweet, but sometimes the thought of something sweet is not appealing and you just think, man, I wish I could have a burger or some fries or whatever it is that you're craving. So for me, the dehydrator is all about satisfying those savory cravings. Um, So let's dig a little bit deeper into some of these categories of food that we could make in our dehydrator. So really I like to break it down into three main categories and and pretty much I'm only going to talk about savory stuff in this episode just cuz I I personally make very few sweet things in my dehydrator. Now the reason that I do do not make a lot of sweet things in my dehydrator is this is kind of a side note just to park the concept of sweets in your dehydrator. You totally can and I love it. There's many dehydrating recipes that you can make sweets with um, but I just don't tend to do it and that's because generally the sweets that I like to make would be things like cake or brownies or um, a lot of these things and frequently if you're using coconut oil in your recipe you can either here's how it is with sweets you make your recipe and generally either you have to refrigerate it or freeze it to get it to harden up and solidify, or perhaps you could dehydrate to get it to dry out and solidify. But generally I find it way easier and sort of less to have to think about to kind of go the freezing route or refrigerating route to solidify my sweets. So definitely you can't just like randomly, oh, it says dehydrate, I'll freeze instead. It's not really interchangeable, but there's a lot of amazing recipes that for sweets that could just be popped in the freezer instead of dehydrating and i just find that a little quicker and easier because dehydrating does take quite a long time so for a lot of these recipes it might be like dehydrate for 12 hours or things like that so sometimes if you're having a sugar craving dehydrate for 12 hours is not really what you want to do you want to maybe pop in the fridge for or the freezer for half an hour and then eat it right away so that's gonna kind of park the subject of sweets. And again, there's certainly lots of amazing dessert recipes that I'm not saying you shouldn't dehydrate dessert recipes at all. It's just that I i don't do it very often. So let's go back to the concept of these savory recipes and talk about these three groups. So I'm gonna talk about bread. I'm, and yes, folks, that's raw bread, savory, spongy, delicious, wonderful bread um crackers which is definitely crunchy crunchy crackers great as a base for guacamole or a nice snack or you could make a little kind of cracker cracker and spread type thing Um, and then the third third category would be those main meal items like veggie burgers or i have a meatloaf recipe that's kind of kind of cool and um you could make meatball type things or falafel things like that, those savory meal items. So let's start by talking with about bread. Bread and maybe wraps too, actually. So the essence of making a raw bread, to me, the difference between a bread and a cracker, a cracker is crunchy, it's crispy, it has no give. A bread is moist and it's soft and spongy. So to me, that's the difference between the two. For the first few years, I didn't realize that you could actually make a real sort of spongy bread type thing in the raw food world. So originally, I didn't think it was possible. I thought that everything you put in the dehydrator comes out crispy like a cracker. But the main revolution or eureka moment came for me was when I realized that I did not invent this. Uh, I don't know who actually did, but I came across the concept of using this ingredient called psyllium husk. It's spelled, oh my gosh, this is going to be taxing on my brain. P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M, psyllium husk. And it's it's actually pretty cheap and you can get it in most local uh, health food stores. Um, but just the addition of some of the psyllium husk, and you want to go with a recipe that already calls for psyllium husk, but it allows it to um, have a completely different texture because you could make a very similar recipe that goes the pops in the dehydrator that might be like nuts and flaxseed and maybe a little bit of oil and some herbs and some veggies and spread that out on a dehydrator sheet and then pop that in the dehydrator you could have a very similar recipe with all those things I mentioned nuts and flaxseed and veggies and herbs and add some psyllium husk to it and it's going to come out completely different your first recipe is going to be hard and crisp like a cracker. Your second recipe is going to have a lot more sponge and gift to it. And really it's that psyllium husk. Now I do find that you don't want to use too much psyllium husk because it's, um, I don't know what the technical kosher term is, but it, it, I think it has a lot of fiber in it. So it kind of like it moves through your body really fast, if you know what I mean. But it's a fabulous addition to really switch up your your food and give you that nice spongy bread like concept, which is is something I definitely really missed a lot. So I do certainly at therawtarian.com, if you just type in bread in my search there, you'll probably get some recipes with psyllium husk, but really it definitely is that psyllium husk that changes the texture from a crunchy cracker to a bread. So you definitely wanna be on the lookout for raw psyllium husk recipes if you're gonna be trying to get a spongy bread. And certainly there's um, more recipes out there. You could just Google those as well for psyllium husk. And I even spelled it for you and I hope to God I spelled it right. I think I did though. So that's bread. Now, secondly, something I used to make a lot of and I don't so much anymore, but I used to make tons and tons of delicious, wonderful crackers. And generally, the cracker concept can basically be followed as this. You're going to be taking either your food processor or your blender, depending on the recipe, throwing usually some nuts and a binding agent like flaxseed or chia seed, things like that, and usually adding some vegetables as well, and processing that all up with of course maybe some salt and some oil and some herbs and things like that and then you're just going to be spreading that recipe batter which you either blend it if it's kind of more of a liquidy recipe or if it's a more slightly thicker recipe it may be in your food processor and then you're just going to spread that out on the dehydrator tray pretty thin these generally tend to be hmm I am bad at measurements, a quarter of an inch thick. Well, just envision in your head a real cracker. Obviously, a cracker is not as thick as a Snickers chocolate bar. (laughs) They're thin, right? So you just spread it out, cracker thickness. And um, usually I would use the back of the spoon or I actually love to use an icing spreader as well to do that. Depending on the batter, if there's no oil in it, It can be a little bit harder to spread, but if it's kind of an oily, liquidy recipe, it usually spreads quite easily. Oh, I forgot to talk about wraps. Wraps could kind of go in either the bread category or the cracker category. Um, Wraps, basically, they're very thin crackers, same concept, but they're thinner and runnier, and usually they have more oil in them, which allows them, the oil does not really dehydrate. So that oil in there allows your cracker to be more pliable or bendier, so to speak. And um, yeah, so that's the concept of a a wrap or you could also Google on my, or I have it. um, I have a really good onion. I think it's called onion bread, but it's really more of an onion wrap recipe that is actually quite easy. It's like onions and oil and flaxseed and a few other things. That's really nice. You spread it out really quite thin and it's easy to spread. And then it you dehydrated it and it's still quite flexible. And it's fun to use as a wrap, especially with things like kind of cut it like a wrap. And then you'd fill it with like sprouts and tomato and avocado. And oh, it's so good. So that is a good one. I, I do call it onion bread. But really it's it's an onion wrap. That's a really good one. You can get that recipe for free at therotterian.com. And crackers, there's a lot of different varieties of crackers and I really enjoy, at this point now, I make a lot of my own cracker recipes up on the fly. But I used to, of course, follow a lot of cracker recipes quite religiously, but generally you will find that a cracker includes nuts or seeds. And some veggies and some flavoring and then that's kind of the, the overall concept there. So those are, are great to have on hand and generally I tend to dehydrate my crackers not so that they're completely devoid of moisture. I like to leave them a little bit moist so that does mean if you don't eradicate all moisture they will go bad if you leave them in you know your pantry so you would want to either completely dry them so crispy and crunchy that there's no moisture left, and then they wouldn't go bad, but otherwise you wanna store them in your fridge and eat them quite quickly, which usually is not a problem because they're fun to eat. I could not live without my dehydrator at this point, mostly because of the exciting things I make in terms of big meal items. Now, I certainly don't have things like this every day, But when I really want something fun or or a special occasion a couple of times a week, I will have things like veggie burgers or raw pizza or, um, you know, little, I don't know what, I don't really know what I call them, just little balls of um, falafels or kind of meatball type things. And of course, all of these are raw and vegan. So they have no, even though I may use um, the standard terminology like meatball, there's it's vegan. So there's no quote unquote meat in it and generally I mean these things are much much of everything in the raw food kind of world is either is usually just like preparing the batter in either a food processor if your food is dry ish or a if your food is really wet it's going to be prepared in the blender and you usually just process that up and then mold it or just shape it into the shape that you want and then that becomes your meatball or your veggie burger or whatever else you'd like to to make. So I found that there's a lot of raw veggie burger recipes out there but I I also found that um, they weren't that great. I, I found a lot of carrot and almond veggie burger recipes that they're okay but to me they just were kind of like a thick cracker they didn't really do it for me and certainly uh, my palate is something that is more used to those traditional you know burger burgers or or this I don't know it just they weren't working for me I, I did realize that one thing that is awesome in a veggie burger recipe is hemp seed or hemp hearts I should say and those are delicious they are quite expensive but I have a really good veggie burger recipe that's basically my favorite at this point that's again for free on my website at therotarian.com if you just search for veggie burger but it's awesome and I think really the addition of the hemp hearts they're what are hemp hearts they're part of the hemp plant and they are kind of a little bit oily and kind of fatty and they have um, just an amazing texture. And so you can have a, a kind of a basic recipe and then that also calls for hemp hearts and it really changes the flavor and it's amazing. So I, I do recommend you check out, if you can, um, just look for veggie Burger recipes that include hemp hearts. Hemp, I don't know if they're called hemp seed hearts or hemp hearts, but they're little white kind of things. And maybe on the show notes, I'll post a picture of them or link to a picture of them anyway, which that would, that would be found at therawterian.com slash podcasts. And then you'd want to navigate to episode 16, 16. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the general concept of the veggie burger kind of thing. What, el- what else do I make that's good? Oh, the pizza crust. If you're enjoying this recipe, I mean <laughs> this episode, then I actually... Recently, just did an entire podcast about making raw pizza in your dehydrator, so you could check that out. It might be episode, oh my gosh, I might have it written down. That is, it might be episode 14, maybe, possibly. (laughs) And yeah, so that is the general concept of the recipes that I tend to make. But for sure, it's all savory for me. But if you will be making sweets, you do want to Usually do it in two batches because if you put like a tray of, say, garlicky onion bread and then another tray of cookies right underneath it, they're not going to really touch each other, but the air is going to circulate and then your cookies are going to taste garlicky. So generally, you just want to only be dehydrating savory stuff at one time and then you want to do a different time of um, sweets. And that too is a nice segue into the third topic of what we're going to talk about here in this episode which was giving you a window of how I de- dehydrate it and when I, when I dehydrate. So as mentioned, I, I definitely dehydrate like almost 20 to one, I would say savory stuff. And that's just cause I, I already have a lot of amazing sweet recipes that don't need to be dehydrated and they're easier, but I don't dehydrate that frequently. So here's how it works in my house. First of all, if I am going to dehydrate, I am not going to make one tray of crackers. When I dehydrate, you certainly could, but when I dehydrate, I think, okay, you know, it's Saturday morning for the next 45 minutes, I'm going to make a batch of, you know, uh, veggie burgers, and I'm going to make two different cracker recipes, and I'm going to make something else and savory, like, sure, how about my moist, spongy bread recipe. So I'm gonna kind of fill the dehydrator. It's not so much that I care about the electricity costs. It's one of those things where if I've got all the ingredients out on the counter, all my my cutting board is dirty, I've got a knife that i have been cutting vegetables with, it takes a lot less effort to just make another batch, like a second batch of the same recipe or a different recipe. And usually too, you can find like your food processor if it's if it's dirty because you just made you know um, veggie burgers, veggie burger batter kind of stuff in it. You can just really quickly just rinse it off, set it back on the you know without properly like washing it and everything. You can set it right back on your counter and just fill it up again with your next recipe, which might be crackers or whatever. So I find it just a lot easier to make a few things either once a week or maybe more like twice a week to be honest oh my god I didn't even talk about chips (laughs) maybe I'll have to do a whole episode about chips um kale chips and things like that that is a good idea actually but yes so that's kind of what I do I definitely I might not my dehydrator has nine trays and it's pretty rare that I'll fill all nine trays up at one time I have for sure but I usually don't make that much, partially because the stuff doesn't keep that well or it's certainly not as good. So it it's just, it's just two people in our household and so I don't wanna make like so much food and then have it go bad. But generally, I might usually have five trays of uh, food going when I do dehydrate. And realistically, I would say on average, I maybe just dehydrate every two weeks and then it looks like this. Let's say I dehydrate today. I wish I was, maybe I should later. But if I dehydrate today, then tonight I'm gonna have, oh my gosh, the best meal. Maybe even like a veggie burger or some pizza or whatever. Tomorrow for lunch, I'll still be enjoying all these goodies and then for dinner too. So what I'll do is I'll just kind of like eat all this dehydrated stuff quite a bit for uh, lunch and dinner over the next say four or five days. And then the stuff, then I'll start to get a little bit bored with it and or else it will run out too. And then what I do is, so then I don't have a lot of dehydrated stuff, but I will make other recipes that I like to make, you know, like nut pates or um, salads or soups. I love raw soups. So then for, you know, maybe the next week after I'll make all those other things that I haven't been eating as much of. And then once I get a little bit tired of those, then I'll cycle back around and maybe dehydrate again. So dehydrating is something that does take quite a lot of time, especially because these things do need to be dehydrated for quite a while. Um, Yeah, but essentially that's kind of the schedule that I use when dehydrating. And it is something that I used to be really into a lot. In fact, um, you know, I did create an ebook basically called Raw Dehydrating 101 that goes into that in in a lot of detail. But it just kind of includes a lot of the recipes that I like and um, includes kale chips too. I do need to, that should be my next episode. I think it's the kale chip episode. But overall, that gives you a sense of dehydrating. Certainly dehydrating is something that is time consuming and you don't want to be trying to dehydrate it because you're hungry and then eat something. You have to dehydrate more as something that you plan for tomorrow or you plan to have some food for the next few days so you'll dehydrate today. So I done definitely almost approach dehydrating, like doing the laundry. I would say I do them in about the same frequency. It's kind of like, well, you know, I've got a little window of time here. What should I do with myself? Perhaps I will get, get the laundry going. And then also perhaps I'll do some dehydrating. So it's something that I add into my life when I have time for it, or if there's a special occasion or something like that. But overall, that gives you a really good sense of dehydrating and and how it works, and I certainly recommend it. When you're first dabbling in raw food, and you could go back to one of my really early episodes about this as well, podcast episodes, is I don't suggest that you start dehydrating if if you're really getting into raw food, because it is time consuming and it's kind of an annoying thing to do. So what I tend to suggest is you want to get a food processor and a blender first and just uncook the heck out of those and just get used to using your food processor and your blender and don't worry about dehydrating right away. But if you're dabbling in raw foods and you're blending a lot and you're food processing a lot and really enjoying it, but perhaps getting a little bit bored with all the nut pates and the raw soups and all the stuff, that you have been making already then that's a good time to get a dehydrator i don't like to have people who are just really new to raw food start dehydrating right away just because it can be overwhelming because not only do you have to learn how to you know get your batter right in your blender and food processor which is something that's probably new to a lot of you Then you also have to have this added element of like, how long do I leave it in the dehydrator for? Is it ready? Is it done? Oh my God, it's too, it's overdone or it's, you know, there's a lot to consider. It's not overly hard. It's just that if you're already feeling overwhelmed with raw foods, just leave that concept of dehydrating as something exciting that you can try a little later once you've got your feet wet with everything else first. So I think I'll, I'll leave it there. I hope to do a Kale Chip episode next. I do find that these episodes are a lot more enjoyable to listen to because it's a lot of me, me, me on this. And I, I do hope to get some guests on soon It's something that I have been talking about for a while. But I think I'm procrastinating a little bit because I'm a little nervous about the technology, how I would record it. I have I have to do some research on that. And also just the type of guests and would people want to be a guest on the show or I don't know. So it's something I really want to do and I guess I'm coming out and saying this because I feel that it would be a really better show if I had more guests on and I need to just bite the bullet and start getting that to happen. So if you I don't know pray for me (laughs) because it's something I really want to do and I really should do it and now I'm just whining (laughs) so I really think I should end it there and I really appreciate having you here with me Um, and I recently just launched my new Rotarians Raw Recipes app which was amazing and you can hear me all excited about that in the previous episode and that's been going really well if you have purchased the app thank you so much You have been listening to the Raw Food Podcast with your host, The Rawtarian. Be sure to visit me at therawtarian.com, where you can browse over 100 of my absolute favorite simple, satisfying, raw vegan recipes that you'll find pretty quick to make and with just a few ingredients and that taste amazing. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter, and once you've signed up for that, you'll automatically get a PDF copy of 11 of my most favorite, most satisfying, most delicious recipes, including raw vegan Alfredo sauce, raw brownies, and a whole host of other delicious recipes that you can make at home that are raw and taste amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to hear from you very soon. And until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.